Backwoods Theology coming to you once again from the snowy state of Maine. And we are excited about being with you once again. Hope that uh, you have had a good week. And I know the Lord's been good to you, whether or not you'll praise Him. Remember what Jesus said, that if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out. So I'm not going to let a rock praise the Lord more than I am, and just thankful for what the Lord has done. I'm here with my friends uh, again, um, Chad and Josh, and we are here around the table. We thought we would uh, piggyback a little bit off of our last podcast, which was the kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and we thought we would put it into shoe leather, so to speak. We'd put it to use and so that we can rightly divide, so we understand which kingdom is being referred to. And so we thought we would put that to use. A phrase was mentioned in our last podcast, and that is the phrase, times or the seasons, times and seasons. And that is from Acts chapter number one. Remember, the the apostles asked the Lord Jesus in verse number six, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. And we determined that that was the kingdom of heaven, that physical kingdom that God has promised upon the earth for the nation of Israel. Um, As I'm thinking about it, guys, perhaps another, when we say the kingdom of heaven is, and this is for a future podcast, I'm just, before I forget about it, um, when we say it is for the nation of Israel, does that mean only Israel is there? Only Israel is allowed into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, will there be uh, others? Um, I'm not Israel. I- am I going to be in the kingdom of heaven? Mm. Um, anyway, that's a future, just jotting that down in the notes. But you will see he's speaking of the kingdom of heaven in verse number six, and then Jesus replies in verse seven, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know And then he gives us this phrase, the times or the seasons. We know that this is linked to the kingdom of heaven. It has to be. It's Christ's answer to them. They want to know about the kingdom of heaven. Is it at this time? Notice there's the dispensational word in verse 6, time, at this time. And the Lord's answer is no. It is not for this time. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Well, if you look up that phrase, times and seasons, or times or seasons, I can find two other passages of Scripture that references that phrase, and I'll just give them to you. The, the other, uh, one of them is in the New Testament. While we're in the New Testament, let's write it down, shall we? Um, it is... Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse number 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. It's significant why that is in 1 Thessalonians 5.1, and we'll talk about that later. I'm just giving you the references, 1 Thessalonians 5.1. The other is an Old Testament reference. It is back in Daniel's prophecy. So if you'll find Daniel's prophecy and turn to chapter 2, chapter number 2, 
This is the, uh, as you know, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar has. And um, so if you're in Daniel chapter number two, and I can't find it. In verse, Daniel chapter verse 21. 21. 21, there it is. All right. Actually, verse 19 is where it starts, but yeah. But in verse 21, it says, and he changeth the times and the seasons, the times and the seasons. So there we are. There is what the Word of God has to say about that phrase. And uh, so those, there's the three times that it is used. We know, according to Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 7, by Christ's response, we know that this phrase has to do with the coming of the Lord and His kingdom because of its use. So guys, why don't we start with do we see the kingdom of heaven? Do we see the return of the Lord in Daniel 2 and 1 Thessalonians 5? Should we start there? Well, can we frame, you know, just in case someone didn't listen to the previous podcast, ah, yes. right? We would frame Acts 1 with the understanding that in verse 3 of Acts 1, Jesus spent 40 days teaching them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then they ask him, mm -hmm. wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom? To Israel, okay. So we see there's they're making a distinction between the two. So we're going to make a distinction between the two. So then, do you want to look at Daniel two first? I mean, what he does. Sure. In Daniel two, what is Daniel two about? What is the significance of Daniel two that this phrase "times and seasons" would be there? Well, when we look at verse nineteen, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Okay, so what, what is it? What does this reveal? Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. So the changing of times and seasons is directly tied to what? Removal of kings. Removal, Removal of kings. and setting up. That's right. Removal and setting up. Of kings. And is it also fair to say a king is king over what? A kingdom. A kingdom. A kingdom. And right. there has to have a kingdom, you have to have a king and you have to have subjects. Right. Or and for a king to exist. Okay. So in context, we know that Daniel two is Nebuchadnezzar's vision of uh, of the image. The image of gold, silver, brass, iron. Which represent kingdoms. Correct. Which are the kingdoms of men, mm -hmm. but they're also all one kingdom. So there's a spiritual aspect and a physical aspect, I think. They're distinct in the fact that they are gold, silver, uh, brass, iron, and clay, but they're also one unified kingdom. Mm. And we know that there is, in later in the chapter, right, later in the chapter... Chapter 2, uh, there is a stone, there is a stone that smote, this is verse 35, that smote the image <clears throat> and became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So you have, and, and, and as Daniel interprets this, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel come to understand that he's speaking of a kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar as the first of the kings. And then he just lays out all these kingdoms up into a point 
where a mountain, which is another kingdom, and I think it's a mountain that is described as not being, it's nothing about that mountain uh, is shaped by man. It hands. says the stone made without hands. Okay, so the stone made without hands. And it says mountain without hands. Mountain without 45. hands. Okay, so it's not it's not a it's not a kingdom of men, right? That kingdom will displace, destroy the kingdom of men. This Nebuchadnezzar and in, in, in the kingdom he's a part of, kingdoms here a part of, mm-hmm. which are still one kingdom because they're all connected. And then eventually that kingdom will fill the whole earth. So you have... Verse 44. Right. So you have you have the removing of kings and you have the setting up of kings. And that is the essence of the vision. How am I doing so far? I think it's great. The way I look at Daniel 2, it is a visual picture of what Christ referenced in Luke. What was it? 21, the times of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. These are... These more biblically speaking are... Man, man, the kingdom of men mm-hmm. upon the earth, but the kingdom of the Gentile, the Gentile kingdoms, and how they would rule over the nation of Israel until Christ comes to set up his kingdom. Christ referenced that in Luke 21 in verse... Um, Luke 21 in verse 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword... And she'll be led away captive into all nations. Well, who is he referring to? He's referring to Israel here. Mm-hmm. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And I know I keep saying this. Here's our dispensational word. Mm-hmm. Until it signifies the end. When will this trodden down end? Until the times... Notice times is plural, it's not singular. Times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And the Bible tells us exactly when that is in Revelation 11 and verse 2. Revelation 11 and verse 2 tells us when the times of the Gentiles will come to an end. The Bible says, Revelation eleven two. but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months, which signals the end of the time of Jacob's trouble. And of course, that end is when Christ ends it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Daniel's, the image represents the times of the Gentiles and those kingdoms. It it spans the time between the greatness of Israel under Solomon. That's why Christ said a greater than Solomon is here. If you thought Solomon's kingdom was great, uh, I'm bringing to you a much greater kingdom. So uh, it's, a, it's a picture. It, it shows us of these physical kingdoms upon the earth and how Christ is going to put an end to it. Can I ask a question? Sure. So that image in Daniel you just 2, did. Can I ask a question? It's a good. question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if we look, even though there's there's you could say there's divisions, uh, distinctions in the image, right? The gold, silver. Of course. Um, even the ten toes and the clay and the iron, but yet it's all one unified image. 
Is it unified? Here's here's the question. Is it unified by the fact that the kingdoms are distinctly Gentile? And or is it unified because it's under the direction um it's under the direction of Satan, of the devil? Do you think that that is help me out with that? Because the the devil is the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Do you think there's well, a I believe, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, God called him my servant, mm-hmm. my servant. Um, the King Cyrus, God called him my shepherd. Mm-hmm. So um, the Bible says the heart of the kings is in his hands. Mm-hmm. So I believe these Gentile kings that are bring Israel into subjugation. That is Zechariah's vision in chapter one, the men with the colored horses. Mm -hmm. Here's another, um, hold on a second, let me read it to you. Zechariah chapter number one, there's riders upon horses. There's only like four times in the Bible where the color of the horse is given. Mm -hmm. And it's always speaking of earthly kingdoms. Um, The Bible starts in Zechariah one, Oh, verse 7, forgive me, verse 8, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him were there red horses speckled in white. Then said I unto my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, these are they whom the Lord hath sent. Now, here's a, I don't mean to keep getting on these side trails. Walking to and fro through the earth, mm-hmm. that's what Satan does. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that actual phrase, walking to and fro through the earth, I, I, I don't want to get into it because we'll get sidetracked. Sure. Verse 11, and they answered, but you notice in verse number 10, the Lord sent them. Mm-hmm. Right. The Lord sent them. So here's what I'm trying to figure and out. And then, may I figure oh, out? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. The answer, I think, is in verse 11. They give a report to their commander, to the one that has sent them. We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. Now, that sounds nice, but that rest that it is talking about in verse number 11 is not talking about peace. It's talking about the captivity of Israel. The reason that they are in the Babylonian captivity is their refusal to observe the Sabbath year, and they did not allow the land to rest. Hmm. And so the land rested. And so by them saying the earth is at rest, what that's saying is is Israel is in subjugation. We have, uh, because you'll see in the next few verses that God is then not pleased with how these Writers have treated the apple of his eye. So I believe these Gentile kingdoms, the purpose of them is that God has raised them up upon the earth to bring judgment unto his people, Israel. And he is going to bring that judgment to an end. And in Revelation, when the voice, when they heard a voice saying, it is done. What that means is, is the time appointed for the judgment of his people, Israel, had come to an end. And we see that Christ comes and ends that time that we're going to read about in Daniel 2. So I believe these Gentile kingdoms, God has empowered them upon the earth 
to bring judgment unto his people, okay. Israel. So what I'm trying to figure out, and this is something that I am trying to figure out, so I'm not asking questions to, you know, to further the argument, but I'm trying to understand personally the relationship that these Gentile kingdoms, you know, what they have, how it is, how it is that the devil makes use of them, you know, because you do have the Assyrians who during the times of Hezekiah, I think it is, are, are threatening to destroy Israel, but God wipes the Assyrians out. And then also, like for example, Daniel 10. Remember when Daniel fasts for three weeks because he's trying to understand Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prophecy. And there's an angel that comes to him, and that angel that comes to him to comfort him explains his delay as the prince of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So you would say that the, the Gentile, these Gentile nations are raised up of God for the subjugation of Israel. Correct. But, I mean, is it plain enough to say the devil makes use of them as well? Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. Uh, the Bible tells us very clearly in Zechariah's prophecy as well that it's God who's going to raise up the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. It's God who does that. We we see that the devil can't do anything without the you know being given power by God, and so of course yes, um, you look at it in every form um, that it's God who raises them up, absolutely, um, and gives them authority and power. But of course, Satan has his, and you notice. When you look throughout these ages, it's the hatred for God's people. Mm, I yeah. mean, it's and it's nothing ancient, the hatred for God's people. You can even see it in our era, so to speak, the hatred for the people of God, whether it be the Holocaust or you even see it today. What was it just a few weeks ago? Well, where where was it in Texas, you know, in the synagogue? You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Jews purposefully cited and killed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's nothing new. So I guess this would go, and we are sidetracked, but by now it's, it is what it is, <laughs> right? So in uh, 1 Kings, I think it is, 1 Kings 22, right? The host of heaven is at the right hand of God. And he, the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab? Verse 20, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. And one said on his manner, and another said on that manner. So God is speaking with the host of heaven. Right. And one of these hosts of heaven, there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. So it's just... Sometimes when when the the veil is kind of pulled back a little bit and you get to see the the inner the inner workings of outer heaven, I guess it is it is uh, it's pretty wild. So so the Lord, you again to come back to your point, it's the Lord that um, raises up kings and takes down kings. Okay, right. It uh, is. You know, we see it in Daniel's prophecy, the handwriting on the wall. You know, God. You've been found in the balance and found wanting, you know, that 
God will raise up a nation and he will humble a nation. And I believe that as well about the United States of America. I believe mm -hmm. the United States of America was empowered by God to fulfill two purposes. And we are wavering on those two purposes right now. And in scripture, whenever you find that a nation no longer fulfills God's purpose, whether it be Nineveh, you know, God brought revival to Nineveh, but he eventually, what was it? Amos's prophecy, I can't mm -hmm. remember, um, brought their destruction that uh, God raises up and he humbles. And so God has raised up this time of the Gentiles. Um, and I believe it's specifically to, to bring judgment, to bring submission to his people Israel. But there will come a time where once again, Israel will be the focal point of the earth. All right, so we have a handle on Daniel too. Times and seasons, setting up kings, taking down, and, and then that vision where he he fills the earth with his kingdom. Correct. Okay. So where do you want to go from here? Um, well, you'll notice um, what I find to be interesting. We we talk about these kingdoms and the stone, which is made. I can't remember if it's made or cut without hands. Mm -hmm. Where it strikes the image. At the feet. At the feet, yeah. It didn't strike him at the head right. like David struck Goliath. He struck him at his feet. And the feet, notice the emphasis of the ten. You know, when it talked about the midsection, it didn't mention the fingers of mm -hmm. the image, but it mentioned specifically its toes. ten toes. It mentions that the feet are mixed with iron and clay, that there's a mixture um, and I believe that represents the Antichrist kingdom. The ten toes is the ten kingdoms, which is clearly taught in Scripture. Well, the Bible says it will strike it at its feet, which will happen at Christ's second coming. So again, this phrase of times and seasons is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is going to destroy the kingdoms, the kingdom of men upon the earth. And he is going to strike it there at the kingdom of the Antichrist, and he is going to establish his own kingdom. Which is what he says in Daniel 2.44. Correct. Yeah. That he will set up his own kingdom upon the earth. The Bible tells us in Revelation that he will rule and reign with a rod of iron. And so I could, can we say clearly that Daniel 2 is talking about kingdoms, physical kingdoms. These are not spiritual kingdoms. These are physical kingdoms of men upon the earth. And we have that phrase, times and seasons. So can we say that if he's describing literal physical kingdoms, then it would follow that the kingdom that follows them would also be an earthly physical kingdom. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Without stretching or abusing the scripture. Right. I mean, could we all say that the kingdom of God is already upon the earth? Mm -hmm. It's already here. Yeah. So what kingdom is coming mm -hmm. if the kingdom of God is already here? Josh, it looked like you wanted to say something. Well, no, I was going to go, this, this ties in back to the previous episode. This is the kingdom of heaven that it's referring to versus the kingdom of God. Like you said, the kingdom of God, Luke says, it's, already, it's within you. It's already here. This is the kingdom of heaven establishment. Correct. And it's one that, according to Daniel 2, 44, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, 
It's not going to be left. It's going to have one king, one ruler. Luke 1, the angel told Mary, his kingdom, there shall be no end. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how does that help us in understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? Well, let's turn to it, shall we? Let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, I believe in the consistency of the scriptures. And so... Um, Therefore, as I'm going to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, I don't want to go in with preconceived notions, but I, at the same time, I do believe in the Bible's consistency mm-hmm. that, okay, Daniel 2, times and seasons, refers to Christ's earthly kingdom. Mm-hmm. Acts 1, verse 7, is clearly talking about the physical kingdom. Remember the disciples' question. Will you restore? Mm-hmm. Meaning we once had a physical kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's right. The prefix re means again. So this kingdom that we once had. So here's another great question. If the kingdom that's being referred to there in verse 7, what do we do with the word restore? What kingdom did the church have, supposedly kingdom of God, that needs to be restored. Right, right, what was right, lo- what was okay, lost sure. that needs to be restored? Right. I mean it, at that point it hadn't even truly been born. Correct. Right. Yeah. So we know that it's referring to something specifically and it says to Israel, to Israel specifically, right. not to the world. Well, and you can just look at the preaching of Peter, of Stephen, they're they're plain Jane, ye men of Israel. Right. You know, they know who their audience is. Correct. And they're speaking to that audience. Which is why Paul says he magnifies his office, and that was the, of what? The apostle to the Gentiles. Yeah. Yep. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and again, before we just get into a letter, let's just, just for a moment, what is the theme of 1 Thessalonians? The first Thessalonians is about the return of Christ. That is its theme. That the return of Christ is mentioned in every single chapter of First Thessalonians. And so that is its theme. Knowing that everyone, you know, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you're familiar with First Thessalonians 4, um, where is one of the two times, I believe, we have significant passages about the rapture of the church, First mm-hmm. Corinthians 15 and First Thessalonians 4. Mm-hmm. That passage begins with Paul wanting to make sure that the church was not ignorant in any way regarding the rapture of the church. We see that in First Thessalonians 4.13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So he wants to make sure that the church is clearly aware of this event. But when we get to chapter 5, Paul says the opposite. In 4.13, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, ye have no need that I write unto you, which I find to be interesting. Notice he doesn't say again, oh, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning this point. He actually says, ye have no need that I write unto you. Well, no need that I write unto you about what? About the times and the seasons. seasons. The times and the seasons. So, 
as and we that, can. And that's why, because verse two, right? For they know yourselves know perfectly, right? That the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Well, is verse two talking about the rapture, or is it talking about the second coming of Christ? Second coming. It's the second coming because it's going to continue in verse three. Right. Right. So he's already he's already talked about the rapture. That's right. Right. Paul revealed that mystery. First Corinthians fifteen. Behold, I show show you you a mystery. mystery. Mm -hmm. Well, if we believe in the doctrine of mysteries, that means before Paul revealed that mystery, there was no direct teaching Mm -hmm. of the rapture. That's right. Therefore, Matthew twenty four cannot be about the rapture. That's right. Right. Or else Paul didn't reveal anything. Yeah. But here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, he is speaking of times to come. For instance, verse 9, that very famous verse. Boy, I don't want to get sidetracked on this. This is an awesome verse. For God hath not appointed us. Whose mail are we reading? This is save people. Mm -hmm. This isn't mankind. This is save people. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. I believe that's a direct reference to the time of Jacob's trouble. But he has not appointed us to wrath. What has he appointed us to? To obtain salvation. Is that salvation of our sins? Hmm. It is not. That is speaking of a salvation that you and I are waiting for. Because notice, but to obtain. It's a salvation that the believer has not yet obtained. Well, what salvation from what? The wrath. Mm-hmm. He's going to save us from that wrath. And so the times and the seasons is speaking of an, a time that does not pertain unto the church. And I believe that's another reason why Paul said, There's, you have no need that I write unto you. This, the rapture pertains to you, chapter 4. But my second coming and the wrath, that does not pertain unto you. I've not appointed you unto wrath. Mm. I'll let you guys pick up. I'm doing all the talking. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's good. You know, I was just thinking also, you know, the salvation, you know, the, the salvation uh, that we are appointed to obtain salvation. You know, it's, salvation is used different ways in the scripture. It's not always referring to, to justification. Right. Um, you know the redemption of our bodies. You know, it's it's at at the raptures is when that that redemption uh, of our bodies takes place, right? Because you know it's interesting is someone point uh, pointed it out to me this way, and it really was a help is to look at the resurrection as a harvest, right? Jesus is the first fruits uh, of that harvest. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And then you would have the rapture of the church. That would, that see the the rapture of the church. You cannot separate from the resurrection. That resurrection that comes. That promised resurrection. And um, again, knowing that that sev- Daniel, you have to figure Daniel nine in with all of this too. If you don't understand the seventy weeks laid mm-hmm. out, then you're not going to rightly divide, and you're going to have the church inside of that 70 weeks. Mm-hmm. And we do, you know, this it's a view that comes up from time to time. You come across people with a mid-trib or pre-wrath or post-trib view, but there's wrong division there. 
Um, because the tricky part is if you want to bring, you know, we, went, we, we talked about this, Matthew 24, if you want to drag the church into the tribulation, then be prepared to change your soteriology. Be prepared to change your doctrine of eternal security. Because you've gone from a Second Timothy 2, if you believe not, he will not deny you. Like he will, you're not going to lose your salvation. Well, now you've got to reckon with Matthew 24, which says the same that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, we come back to this idea of right division, right Bible, right division, right understanding. And uh, it's good to take that kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, take it, and then work it out. Fine. If there's a hole, if there's a problem, if there is a conflict, then email Josh Lovelace, right? <laughs> and he will answer. You answer emails within two hours, usually, right? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and try it. Yeah. Or you can call him. He prefers to be called between midnight and 4 a.m. That's right. when he prefers calls. Mm -hmm. That's Eastern Standard Time, by the way. Right. Yes. yes. All right. So what do you have to add? What are you, what are you thinking? Well, you mentioned the weeks. And um, my favorite part of the – I say favorite part. I say – Interesting study in the 70 weeks. Daniel 9, 24 says 70 weeks are determined, but it doesn't say upon my people. Okay. It says upon thy people. Now, why, why is God separating himself? Because we know Israel is called his people. I believe it's a good, it's a good truth to see so we don't get confused because we can see in the New Testament how the church are his people. Mm, you know, we're yep. grafted in, or whatever. We can go down that road. But God says, thy people, because I believe he's making a very clear distinction that this is strictly for the nation of Israel. Is the church his people? Yeah, of course. But this is thy people, meaning he's talking to Daniel. Yeah, who's the thy? Who's right, the thy? Right, it has right, to be right. Daniel because that's back in the beginning of the chapter. Right. And then he says, and then he adds to that, upon thy holy city, well, where's that? The only place in Scripture called the holy city is going to be Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So we know this is referring to uh, Israel, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. And we so said, what is all this for? Well, according to... My Bible, according to God's word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all mm -hmm. unrighteousness. Well, here it says to make an end of sins. Well, if I'm saved, he's made an end of sins for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so this is not referring to the church because this is referring to a time sometime for thy people where sins have to become to an end for them. I believe it's, um, is it Romans 11, where the Bible says that Israel hasn't yet obtained? Yes. Uh, I got to read it. What it's sought after. Right. Yeah. It's in, it's, is it Romans 11? Yes. It's um, uh, 9 or 11, but it's, yes, it's the end of chapter 9, I believe, um, now that I think of it. No, it's, it's uh, Romans eleven twenty seven. Okay. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Mm -hmm. So if the church is Israel, you know, if we've replaced yes. it or whatever. So our sins aren't Our forgiven. sins aren't taken away yet. Right. right. According to Romans eleven twenty seven. 
So obviously the Apostle Paul is making the distinction in that passage. So, um, Which we haven't really, you, you just touched on something which we haven't really dug into a whole lot, but if you, if you do convolute or you combine the kingdoms into one, Ooh, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you get to a place where you're beginning to replace Israel. Isn't there a theology? With the church. There is. <laughs> That's about replacement. What is, is it called? I think if you put the two words together, you got <laughs> is, that, is that what it's called? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, that's an Combined issue. theology. Or I've also called. heard it called covenant theology yep. as yes. well. Yes. Yep. And, and you know, what's, I was just thinking on this too, that, you know, in our, our local area, um, as far as radio stations go, if you still use a radio station, you can listen to particular Christian radio stations where back to back to back, you can get a covenant theologian preaching for a half an hour. You can go then to a a premillennialist for a half an hour and they give you, you know, vanilla, chocolate, coffee, sprinkles, all these different flavors. But it sure does make a difference in your interpretation of the Bible. Ever learning and never able to come right. to knowledge. Well, I think sure. the common theme of all of them is none of them use the Bible. Sure. Right, <laughs> right. That's the yep. common theme. Yeah. What's what's our what's our 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 mission statement or vision? Right to right Bible. Right Bible. Right division. Right division. Right understanding. right understanding. You don't have the right Bible, you're not going to come to these. Correct. Right. right. The right Bible. You don't have the Bible, I guess sure. I can say it. Sure. Okay. What else have you, Mr. Lovelace? You know, I, I'm i not fully versed on this. I, I, I'm in the middle of a study. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought up First, First Thessalonians 5, Times and Seasons. And what's interesting, if you if you study the day of the Lord, okay, um, Zechariah is loaded throughout the entire book mm. with the statement in that day, in that day, um, to the point that I had made a statement one time uh, at our church about the the longevity it was taking us to get through the book of Zechariah. You know, I said, man, you know, we're all, I know we're only in Zechariah nine, but eventually, you know, but I I brought to light the in that day so much that a person in our church actually said, I guess we'll get there in that day. <laughs> so because sure. I'm taking so long, right? Um, but okay, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. I believe that's a different um, time for the Lord versus the hour of the Lord. Absolutely. So what did what did God or, did, or Jesus tell Mary? Mine hours not yet. Mine come. hours not yet come. He's not referring to his kingdom. Right. He's referring to his death. The hour of the Lord is his death. Correct. The day of the Lord is his kingdom. So one gives us the kingdom of God, the hour, right? And one is the ushering in of the kingdom of heaven. So you've the got, hour of the Lord versus the day of the Lord. You've got both comings. I know we typically use the word advent. Yes, we which do. Which is not a biblical word. I, I'm trying to teach myself not to use it. And I just because I believe it's Catholic in its origin. I believe the word Advent, it's not, I don't believe it's in the it's scriptures. It's not advantageous. <laughs> Sorry. That was bad. <laughs> so, but you're, you're absolutely right. So can I go farther too? Um, you mentioned uh, uh, times and seasons. That's obviously what our, our focus has been on. And also to add to times and seasons, um, I don't know if it's in First Thessalonians. It's obviously in Acts. Uh, the Apostle Peter brings it up in Acts 2. 
about another clear reference to the day of the Lord with the times and seasons. It's the sun darkening and the moon turning into blood, right? Um, and what's interesting, the Jews seek for a sign. sign. Law first mention. What's Genesis 1 say? Okay, in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So even from the beginning, there's the reason this is set up this way. You know what I mean? Right. For the sign. Well, we would have no concept of time were it not for the sun. Well, of course not. Right? The movement of the earth. You, you would have, there's, there's the senses that we have more than the watches that yeah. we have. Um, the God's timepieces, right? But can we not see that this is, the kingdom was already mm. in, in place back in Genesis 1. In mind. Yeah, in mind, I yeah. guess I could say, yeah. The, the kingdom is going to be established. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reason it was set up, the reason it was established. God said in, uh, is it Matthew 24, Jesus refers to himself coming as lightning from the east. Right. Well, is that referring to actual thunderstorm lightning? What What is the light from the east? Well, there's only one light that I know of that comes from the east every single day. Mm-hmm. Because when he shows up, the sun is darkened. Mm-hmm. But there's light coming from the east. Mm-hmm. So I believe, you know, can we go to a practical way? Every time that sun rises in the east is a glorious example. Every single day of the future day when it's no longer a big ball of fire, it's actual the Lord Jesus Christ as the light. Does that make sense? Yeah. When he shows up. Yeah. So well, first John says God is light and in right. him is no darkness. And there's no darkness so. at all. But the sun is darkened. It's a really bad time. I mean, if you go through the, the tribulation and you see that the day itself is a third shorter mm. and and, and it, it's it's not a fun moment. And then they look upon him whom they have pierced because all of a sudden this light shows up. And uh, it's just... Well, those signs in heaven, and it's specifically... Remember, God gave Moses two signs, the rod into a serpent and pulling out a leprous hand, Mm -hmm. which Pharaoh's magicians could copy both of them. That's right. So that is why the Pharisees in Mark 8 and Luke 11 both asked specifically not just for a sign but for a sign in heaven because a sign that's in heaven cannot be copied uh the the devil cannot counterfeit that that's why they specifically asked for that kind of sign it's the reference back to what you just said josh genesis 1 this shall be these shall be signs unto you these lights in the heavens that's right which the devil does not have power over. Now, of course, the serpent is going to have the power to turn a staff into a serpent, and Pharaoh's magicians were able Mm -hmm. to copy some of those signs. Um, So, yes. So here's my question then. When Paul writes 2 Thessalonians to the believer's at Thessalonica, right? He says in chapter two. So, so he's dealt with, you know, just to kind of, 
come full circle. In chapters 4 and 5, he's dealt with the rapture and also dealt with the second coming, the day of the Lord. He uses a different phrase in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he refers to the day of Christ. So explain to us, is, is he just, is this, is he speaking of the same thing or is he making a further distinction? So 2 Thessalonians I believe 2. I, I believe he's referring to the same thing okay. based, based on what the rest of the chapter, because I, if, if, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, mm-hmm. now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus mm-hmm. and by our gathering together unto him. So what's our gathering together unto him? I was I always reference that to the rapture. Okay. Okay. We're gathered together unto him. Right. That ye soon be what am I at? Verse two, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by the letter from us, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I believe this is a reference to the tribulational time. So that day doesn't come until, so the day of Christ, to me, is equal in understanding as the day of the Lord, as the the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're saying that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is his second coming. No, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 is the rapture, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 is the... Second coming. Okay, because he, I'm, I'm just wondering if you're saying that the that both are being referenced in verse one separately. So the the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him are they two different events? Are they the rapture and the second coming? Right? Is he making distinction between the two? Hmm. Because in verse two he says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word. I know you just read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As that the day of Christ is at hand. Mm-hmm. Because if they believe the day of Christ is at hand, okay, why would they be shaken in mind, troubled? Right? Why would all of those things? I was wondering if maybe that's referring to the second coming, mm-hmm. and then he's saying, "You guys need to correct me on this if I'm not getting it right." But verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Well, I believe that's referring to the second coming. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Because if that was at hand and is close, what does that mean for them practically? It means that somehow they have missed the rapture, right? Would it mean that? Mm-hmm. Have you? I've met believers who are concerned that there they've are... They've missed the rapture. They've or, missed it or right. they will miss it. That's why he says, don't be soon shaken in mind. Right. Don't right. be troubled. Right. Yes, I, because there's a gathering that has to happen first mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. verse number one. Yeah, I believe verse one is talking about the rapture of the church, mm-hmm. and then verse two is talking about his second coming unto the earth. Unto the earth. That's okay. why don't be shaken. So I believe the two are speaking of two separate things. Don't be afraid. Don't be soon shaken. Don't be troubled. Because if we don't rightly divide first, there then the pre-wrath theory really gains traction with verse 3. Yes, it does. Because if verse 2 is speaking of the rapture, then verse 3 says, well, that day's not coming until the Antichrist is revealed. Right, yeah. Which is at the midway point of the tribulation period. So um, we need to rightly divide there, or we're going to... um, And it's not, we have to... We have to interpret it this way, or else we're in trouble. No, 
by using right division, um, what he is saying in verse number one, we know it's referring to the rapture by our gathering. Gathering together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's writing unto the church by mm-hmm. our gathering unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us. Remember, the church of Thessalonica was confused about his coming and his kingdom. That's Again, what they were confused about. Going back to thinking nonlinear. Okay, we're, we're temporal people. Okay, we're going to think linearly. As that the day of Christ is at hand. Oh, no, the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is at hand. Although, well, hang on. Yes, it's at hand because it's been two days for the church. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. We got so when we're we're getting out of the realm of temporal thinking, then we can start understanding. Yeah, God's an eternal God. Mm-hmm. Christ is eternal. This is not a um, you know up in heaven waiting. Good night. It's taking forever for this day to come. You know what I mean? It's not like right. that. Right. So yes, it's at hand if we're out of the realm of temporal logic. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but that says, don't be, don't be shaken by it. Don't be troubled by it. Oh, the day, oh, is that hand? Is that hand? Well, yeah, but we're going to be gathered. Right. So that's the salvation that we're going to obtain. Sure. That's right. According to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, what do you guys think? You want to wrap her up there for today? Times and seasons? Times and seasons. I think so. Okay. I think so. That Hopefully that was a nice little Bible study. For you, again, just putting things practically into use, and we'll be coming together with you again. We'd love to hear about your study of times and seasons. What we've deduced is, in all three occasions it's used, it's speaking of the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to be coming with him uh, at that day to be able to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Uh, But until then, we're going to be faithful. Until then, we are going to uh, faithfully proclaim the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to sign off from now uh, from the state of Maine, and hopefully the Lord will keep you safe until we gather again next week. But until then, just be looking for a new episode this coming Friday of Backwoods Theology. We'll see you coming again next week.